Hello, everybody. You're watching Legacy Television. I'm Jeremy Pearsons. We're glad to have you with us on the broadcast today. We've got some exciting things to share with you, but right now, let me tell you about what's going on here at Legacy Church in Green Mountain Falls, Colorado. Our good God has done good things. He's doing great things, and we believe greater things are yet to come. Some months ago, the Lord began talking to us in our local church family and our global partner family through the Partners of Pearson's Ministries International about his plan for us to expand, the plan to expand. And he spoke to us out of the book of Isaiah chapter 54. Let me read to you verses two and three. He said, enlarge the place of your tent. Let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords, for you shall expand to the right and to the left, and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. I like it from the New Living Translation. It reads like this. Enlarge your house. Build an addition. Spread out your home and spare no expense. For you will soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Can you hear these words he's using here to talk to his people? Enlarge, expand. If you're not thinking about expansion right now in your home, your family, your business, or your ministry, then you're not thinking big enough. If expansion's not in your heart, then you're not believing big enough yet. You need to let the Lord go to work on the inside of you to enlarge your heart because if he can't get it in your heart, he can't get it in your hand. We've got to expand on the inside so that we can expand on the outside. And the Lord began talking to us about three areas in our church and ministry that he's calling us into expansion in. Inside, outside, and worldwide. There are some places in this building, uh, this new church building, that uh, need some expansion. We need to expand our lobbies so that there's room for families to come. We need to expand outside the building, in our parking lot, in the roads that come into this property to make it a safe place for people to come. But not just inside and outside. The Lord also talked to us about expanding worldwide. And you see that here in the scripture. He said, expand to the right and the left. But then he began talking to them about nations. You got to get nations on your mind. You got to get nations in your heart. There's a world out there beyond you. And they need the Jesus that you and I have. In 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 1, when Solomon had finished praying, Fire came down from heaven, consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices, and the glory of the Lord filled the temple. And the priests could not enter the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. When all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord on the temple, they bowed their faces to the ground on the pavement and worshiped and praised the Lord saying, say this with me, for he is good, for his mercy endures forever. You need to be saying those words on a daily basis. Not just when we're in here together, on a daily basis, the Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Can we say it together again? The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. We have kind of a fascination 
with things that have been around a long time. We're not so used to it here in the United States. We're a relatively young country, a couple of hundred years old plus. But when you get outside of this part of the world and into other places, particularly Europe and Africa, Sarah and I have been to some places and you're standing there looking at something, it's not something that's been there 200 years, not something that's been there 500 years, looking at something that was put there a thousand years ago. And people will line up around that thing, whatever it is, and they marvel at it, and they ooh, and they ah, for one reason, it's old. <laughs> and they like how old it is. And what they're saying and what really is so captivating about it is it's been there so long. And much of these things that have stood for so long, we call it standing the test of time. But what we mean by that is everything that's gone on around it. And in some of these places, these monuments or these structures or whatever it is, they, they have endured wars that were fought around them. They've endured storms of every kind, natural or man-made. I mean, these things have had total destruction happen all around them. And when the dust settled, it was still standing there. That's what people are so captivated by when they go and look at this and marvel at it. And when God talks about the part of him that lasts forever, is he talking about his anger? No, you know from the scripture, his anger's but for a moment. It lasts just about that long. Is he talking about judgment? No. When he's talking about the part of him that just keeps going and going and going and going, what's he talking about? His mercy. It's his loving kindness and his tender mercy that endures forever. Endurance is an amazing thing. It's such a part of fitness. You know, when people start, they, they get it in their mind, I got to work out, I got to get stronger. They usually think first in terms of power, the ability to, to push more or lift more, be stronger physically, or at least look stronger, right? Well, a big part of fitness that a lot of times people don't even realize is endurance. Because it's great if you're strong and you can lift a lot, but if you can only do that for a couple of minutes at a time, that's not really doing you as much good as the ability to endure, endure. When Justice was little, he probably started this when he, I mean, two years old, three years old. We have this on video. We'd, we'd put a video camera in his face and say, what's your name? And every time he'd say, my name is Justice James Pearson's fastest boy in the world. <laughs> that, that was his name. Justice James Pearson's fastest boy in the world. And that kind of stuck with him for a long time. And even to this day, he doesn't introduce himself that way anymore. He's 10 years old, but he's still pretty into things that go fast. And uh, I noticed a few years ago, he was talking so much about speed, speed, daddy, I want to go fast, I want to go fast, I want to go fast. And I got it in my heart, I guess it was from the Lord. I don't know. We sat in bed one night and I, I started Googling uh, endurance runners. Now, if I were to ask you, who's the fastest guy? 
People all over the world know. I think I might have heard it over here. Somebody say Usain Bolt or these, these guys that run in the Olympics that break all kinds of records. And they're fast, man. They are fast for a few seconds. But everybody loves speed. Man, people love to watch things that go fast. They love to ride in things that go fast. But how many of you in here are, I mean, really, really big Dean Carnazes fans? Anybody? Dean Carnazes. Anybody got a Dean Carnazes t-shirt? You go to those Dean Carnazes track meet. Well, listen, let me, you don't know who that is, but let me tell you who he is. I didn't know this either until I was laying in bed that night, putting justice to bed, looking this stuff up. This guy, uh, man, I wish I could remember all of his facts. I wasn't planning on going this way, but this guy's an endurance runner. If I'm not mistaken, he ran seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. Consecutive. Seven marathons in seven days on seven continents. I don't even know how it's humanly possible, but he did it. This guy ran, ran from Disneyland in California to New York City. Ran. And I don't remember the amount of time he did it in. It took a while. Uh, his, I think his longest distance of running without stopping if I'm not mistaken, was somewhere in the neighborhood of 400 and something miles. It's amazing, isn't it? But nobody knows who this is. I mean, unless you're really in that world. No offense, Dean. But I mean, unless you're really in that world, endurance isn't really what grabs people's attention. But it gets God's. It gets God's. Because it's so a part of who he is. His mercy endures. For how long? Forever. I mean, in his mercy, just the stuff you've thrown at it. Just the stuff I've done and thrown at his mercy. And it's still standing there. The wars that have raged around his mercy. Mankind as a whole turned our back and refused it. And it's still standing there. His mercy endures forever. Which means it's going to be there when you get up in the morning. And it'll be there when you go to bed. And it'll be there the next day. And every time the sun comes up, it'll be new. His mercy endures. You need to be saying this every day. The Lord is good and his mercy endures forever. Now, when they dedicated this temple, you see this here in the scripture, the fire fell from heaven, the glory of God filled the temple. And you see the way the people bowed down and worshiped. In 1 Samuel chapter 2, verse 30, we looked at this a couple of weeks ago. The last part of that verse says, the Lord is speaking. He said, those who honor me, I will honor. And those who despise me will be lightly esteemed. This same word translated honor is the same word often translated glory. 
glory and honor. They're the same thing because you're talking about something that's valuable. You're talking about something that's weighty. And that's why we talked about what you give weight to, what you put value on, what you put value in. And what God is saying here is those who put value on me, I put value on them. But those who despise me, he said, will be lightly esteemed. Don't, don't let this paint a picture in your mind of God just sort of standing over in a corner saying, well, look, if, if you do this for me, I'll do it for you. But if you're not going to do it for me, I'm not. That, that's, that's such a, it's a childish way of thinking. And that's not God. You have to think about it like this. He desires to do it for you, but he can't where there's not an open door. He desires to take you and your life and your family and everything that concerns you. He wants to give weight to it. He wants to put value on it. He wants to be involved in every part of it, but he can't until you open that door. What did he say? Behold, I stand at the door. And if you don't open it in five seconds, I'm going to beat this thing down. I'm coming in whether you like it or not. Is that what he said? No. I stand at the door and I knock. And if any man hears my voice and opens it up, he's not busting the door down. And you can tell we've had some really wrong teaching about this. God's God and he's going to do whatever he wants to do. And it sounds like, it sounds like you're talking real big about him, but it's not the truth. He is God, and I believe his plan will be accomplished in this earth. But whether or not you get used in it is totally up to you. Whether or not he's able to do with you what he's called and created you to do and to be, that's up to you. He's not going to beat this door down. He'll stand there, he'll knock, and if you're wise when you hear his voice, you'll open the door. And that's what we've been talking about. That's what honor does. It opens the door. It gives him access to come in. So those, he said, who honor me, I'll honor them. Those who value me, I'll value them. Those who give me glory, I'll give you glory. I'll pour glory out in your life. I'll put glory on display in your family. Man, is anybody else interested in this? We need this. Thank you, Lord. In... Uh, the second Corinthians, the New Testament chapter four says, therefore, we do not lose heart, even though this is verse 16, even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day for our light affliction. Does that sound like what he said in first Samuel two? You despise him, you'll be lightly esteemed. Once again, he's comparing things with different weights, different values. One thing is heavy and, it, weigh, and it, it, it weighs a lot and it's valuable. Another thing, if it's light, he said lightly esteemed, not valued. And that's what it is to despise God. There are people all over the planet that despise God. And if you told them that's what they were doing, they'd say, no, I don't. I believe there's a God. But despising him doesn't mean necessarily that you hate him or even that you're against him. It just means you don't put value where he puts value. You don't honor the things that he calls honorable. And I'm so thankful that this room is full this morning of people who found him and his things and his word valuable enough to roll out the bed. Not everybody did that. Now listen, I'm not going to be one of those pastors who preaches to the people who aren't here. Okay, I ain't doing that. 
You're here. I'm going to talk to you. I'm thankful for you. But I don't know if you realized it or not, what you did just in that simple act was you put value on him. You honored him. You could have been doing something else. You could have been somewhere else. But you put value on him and his things. What does that do? It opens the door. Now he can put value on you and on your things. And we do this in so many different ways. Time in his word. Walking in love. When we see something in the word and we hadn't been thinking that way, we change the way we think. When we see something in the word and we haven't been doing that, we change what we're doing. What are you doing? You're honoring it, giving weight to the word. And he's so thrilled because that's an open door in your life for him to go to work. Man, I got to keep moving. He said, we don't lose heart. Our outward man's perishing. The inward man's being renewed day by day. Even our light, or for our light affliction, which is but for a moment, is working for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. While we do not look at the things which are seen, but at the things which are not seen, for the things which are seen are temporary, but the things which are not seen are eternal. Comes back down to what are you looking at? What are you looking at all day? Are you looking at what's against you? Or are you looking at the one that's for you? Because the more you look at the problem, the more weight you give to it. And people don't realize it, but many, many people are problem worshipers. They may not stand up and sing songs to the problem, but the attention they give to it, the thought they dedicate to it, the affection they give to it, and all the talking they're doing about the problem, that's worshiping the problem. And what you don't realize is you're giving weight to it, giving weight to it, giving weight to it. And that little thing started out so small, but you have added so much weight to it that now it's all you can see and it outweighs everything in your life. Meanwhile, you've got God in all his glory over here going, give me a little weight and I'll outweigh that thing in a second. Give me a little attention. Give my word a little affection. Give my promise a little bit of faith and I'll outweigh that. That's nothing, man. That's nothing. What are you looking at? Hmm? What are you looking at? You looking at me. What are you looking at? You have to find out. You have to ask, am I looking too long at this? It's not that you need to pretend it's not there. That's not what faith's about. But you don't have to stare at it all day long. You don't have to live your life with a death grip on the calculator trying to make things work financially. Quit looking at it. You know it doesn't work. <laughs> Quit looking at that and get your eyes over here on the one who will provide for what you need. What are you giving weight to? I'm not trying to oversimplify these things, but really it, it is pretty simple. What are you giving weight to? What are you looking at? Um, John chapter 11, did you find that? Good, that was like 20 minutes ago. So, John chapter 11, we looked at this last week and I want to build on it again today. I mentioned it earlier, Jesus standing at the tomb of Lazarus, his sisters, uh, Martha and Mary, Lazarus' sisters, were there. And Jesus, we won't go back over the whole story again, but in verse 23, Jesus said to Martha, he said, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know, verse 24, he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And Jesus said to her, no, listen, I am the resurrection and the life 
Now notice this. He who believes in me. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? Can you hear where Jesus is putting the emphasis? Now, you know, and I know what he's got in his heart and what he wants to do, what he's capable of doing for this family and for this dead man and for his relatives that remain. But evidently, Martha's faith has something to do with that. Or else why would he keep asking her, do you believe this? Do you believe this? Just in what, two verses, he says the word believe three different times. I'm the resurrection and life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. Whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? There is, there is a school of thought and doctrine that would tell you, regardless of what you do, Jesus is going to do what he wants to do. God's going to do whatever he wants to do because he's God. And we've talked about this. If that was the case, why is Jesus endeavoring to get faith out of this woman? That's what he's always after. That's what he's always looking for. Show me some faith. Give me some access to your stuff. How do you do that? Faith has something to do with it. It's not just that God willed to raise this man. It wasn't even just that God was, quote unquote, able to raise this man. That ability would have only been limited by an absence of faith. How many times did he tell people, your faith has made you whole? Never did he say it was the sovereignty of God that did it. It was your faith. Your faith in his love, your faith in his power, your faith in his will. But your faith is what gives you access to him. And then you skip down a few verses and he had said, roll away the stone, take away the stone. And Martha said to him, uh, he's dead. He's been dead four days. He stinks. And Jesus turned to her in verse 40 and said again, did I not say to you? How quickly we forget these things, don't we? It wasn't written in chapter and verse. These, these things played out over moments in time. And just a few moments ago, Jesus was like, if you believe, if you believe, do you believe? And then finally he says, roll away the stone. She's like, yeah, he stinks. He's like, did I not just, just, talk, just five minutes ago, Martha, were you, you were standing right there. But it shows you how easily it can slip. It shows you how easily you can slip back into something else. Let me get ahead of myself here for a second. But this life of faith that you and I live is a constant contest between what you see and what you believe. Can I say that to you again? This life of faith is a constant contest. What's that mean? It's always going on. That's why Paul wrote to Timothy and said, fight the good fight of faith. One translation said, be constantly engaging in the contest of faith. In other words, in other words you, you, you don't take a break from this. You don't call a time out. Be constantly engaged in it. Why? Because this life of faith is a constant contest between what you see and what you believe. Or you could say it like this, between what you see and what you're believing to see. 
Because that's what he said to her. Did I not just say to you that if you would believe, I want you to read this last part out loud with me, you would see the glory of God. Now, if he just came and was going to raise Lazarus, no matter what anybody else did, then there's no reason for any of this conversation. There's no reason for him to talk to her about faith because it wouldn't matter. He's God, God in the flesh, and he's going to do what God wants done. Well, is he? Can he? It has something to do with you connecting to him in faith. And faith goes hand in hand with honor. If you want to see the manifestation of the glory of God in your life, and let me help you, you do. You do want to see that. Then you're going to have to open the door to it. And it's honor that opens that door. Martha and her sister Mary put themselves, themselves at the feet of Jesus, welcomed him into their home, right? We talked about all this. He saw in her heart what she would do in the time to come. All of it opened up a door of access for him, but it was all faith. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.